0: You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another new edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. So great to have you here on Monday, March 29th. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com to vote in Built Bar Madness. A lot of great things going on. In the month of March, we've gotten down to our final eight teams participating in NCAA March Madness. What a great tournament we've seen so far. We're also having great stuff at Built Bar Madness. You can vote every day at BuiltBar.com. On today's show, we previewed it all last week, our first ever edition of a Mailbag Monday Locked On Blue Devils podcast. I'll be joined by a very good friend and a special guest of the program in just a moment. We'll run through a lot of the questions that you guys sent in, either by sending an email to lockedonbluedevils at gmail.com or sending us a message on Twitter at lo underscore Blue Devils. Because of the mailback show, I want to go ahead and get an ad break out of the way. I got to let you know that our show today is brought to you by our friends over at betonline.ag. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Major League Baseball, right around the corner. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bet, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're covering everything that you need to know about the Duke Blue Devils, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today Podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. My name is JJ Jackson, the host of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow our show for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast with full Duke Blue Devil athletic coverage each and every day as soon as it comes out. I'm being joined today inside our studio here by uh, my good friend Ryan Lavoie. As I've made it known on this program, I'm a professional sports broadcaster, in the state of Alabama, a graduate of Auburn University. And my guest today has the exact same credentials. We host a daily sports talk radio show together each and every weekday sports call in the Auburn and Opelika area. And uh, Ryan LaVoy, no stranger to ACC Hoops as well. What a uh, unique connection that Ryan and I have, myself being uh, from the state of North Carolina. It's been well-documented. Ryan from the state of Alabama. But nonetheless, plenty of ties to uh, ACC hoops and the state of basketball, not so much on the Duke side of things. But Ryan, thank you for being here, and uh, let our listeners know about your connection to the ACC.
1: Yeah, no, on the uh, for Duke fans, the exact opposite side of things. Uh, <laughs> my parents going to the University of North Carolina, so I've been a Tar Heel fan for my entire life, and so I, I know both of us meeting up here, you know, in Auburn, Alabama the last thing we expect for you to come from the state of North Carolina, oh, surely there's no people that are huge Carolina fans in Alabama. Well, you find me. And then I say, oh, surely there's no people. Duke Duke is universally hated, it feels like. It's a love or hate with Duke, and we're not in the state of North Carolina. So surely there will be no Duke fans here. And then what I do, I find a a great Duke fan. (laughs) So, yeah, no, our – Our paths have crossed. One Duke fan, one North Carolina
0: fan. How about that? So I thought today for the first ever Mailbag Monday edition, not only are you one of my best friends in the world, Ryan, but as I said, you also hosted a daily radio show with me each and every day. We've got a lot of good on-air chemistry. We've chatted back and forth before. We're just never given the opportunity to talk a little Duke and North Carolina hoops uh, and other athletics as well. So uh, I got a couple of mailbag questions, and then I wanted your response to some of these questions as well from a, a North Carolina fan's perspective. From Ryan Lavoie's perspective, how do you feel about some of these questions that we were sent today? Okay. Sounds good. Let's jump right into it. All right, the first question here today. Again, you could have submitted questions to me locked on blue devils at gmail.com or on Twitter at L O underscore Blue Devils. I got a question here from Derek over the weekend on Twitter. What's up, JJ? Just curious. Jordan Goldwire officially entering the transfer portal after his four years of eligibility. Are we actually going to miss Jay Gold on the Duke basketball team? Thanks for the question, Derek. Certainly do appreciate it. Uh, I mentioned this a little bit uh, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, uh, whenever the season came to a close for Duke, Jordan Goldwire very quickly posted on Instagram, thank you, Duke. That was it. Just thank you, Duke, and a bunch of photos of him uh, from his playing career. And uh, I took that as a sign to be like, all right, this guy's going to go Pursue a professional career, professional opportunities. Good for him. Awesome. Uh, I did not think that he'd be coming back anyway. And then over the weekend, we learned that Duke announced that he would be entering the transfer portal. It's the second player to do that within the past week, Jamin Breakfield being the other. And uh, first off, shout out to Duke as well, because their team has announced all of the transfer portal announcements for these that's uncommon a lot of schools just let the players kind of do that themselves and it's almost like we're not even going to acknowledge you in a strange way uh with you leaving but Duke made it public that Goldwire would be looking for another opportunity in terms of whether or not we will miss Jordan Goldwire uh this is a really tough question for me to answer in a lot of ways I think we will in a lot of ways I think we won't And I think I'm more so leaning towards it's a new era of Duke basketball. It's time for Jeremy Roach and DJ Stewart, uh, Trevor Keels, if he were to come in, some of those younger guys to take over that guard spot for Goldwire because he just gave us nothing offensively over the years. And at a certain point, defense can only take you so far. I love the fact that he stayed four years at Duke. This is a three-star guy who was in the same recruiting class as Marvin Bagley, as uh, Gary Trent Jr., Wendell Carter... Alex O'Connell trade of all, that that was his recruiting class and of all those guys he's the least heralded recruit and he stayed 4 years playing for Duke. I respect him for that. He's always going to be a Duke blue devil, but if he wants to get a little bit more shine, a little bit more love elsewhere, more power to him since the NCAA gave him another year of eligibility.
1: Yeah, I think if Duke's goal is to get a little better then you miss Jordan Goldwire. But if Duke's goal is to get back to what it's been for really the last 30 years, 30, 32, 33, 34 years, then Jordan is not a championship-caliber player. He's just not. He's a really good defender. He, he might be a championship-caliber defender. But he, at times, is such an offensive liability because – Watching Duke and, and admittedly rooting against them in literally every single game, <laughs> like the worst thing ever is when Duke has a bunch of guys, and they normally do, that just hit a ton of threes. They're usually a really good three-point team, and it means that it's so hard to beat them in late in games because Duke can hit clutch threes. Typically they can do a lot of things offensively that just keep them in ball games. And with Goldwire, it's like you you wanted him out there because he's such a good defender, and and at least this year you know he's a senior leader. But but you just don't get anything of substance or of consistency with him offensively. So I I think that with him, it's just, man, he could be on a decent Duke team, but he's just not the type of starting point guard that can be on any sort of – classic coach k team so i don't think duke should miss him uh and i know the acc will will not miss his great defense because he certainly could do that but once again just not enough offense for what duke typically gets out of that position
0: well you mentioned it in the end of season reviews you you've been listening to the podcast as well ryan which i greatly appreciate that just shows folks uh, how good of friends i have a north carolina Tar Heels fan has been consuming a Duke Blue Devils podcast just to listen to what I have to say on a couple of things. But for Goldwire, I mentioned nothing on offense. This dude is number three all time in the steals percentage, steals per possession numbers, in the history of the Atlantic Coast Conference. And yet, your favorite thing to joke with me about over the years, and rightfully so, is, Hey, JJ, I hate to break it to you, but Goldwire just missed another wide-open layup. Like, how do you do that at the college level? He found a way to do that, though.
1: Yeah, no, wide open layups and transition. Just a lot of things that just you'd never see. It was, it was. once again, he had a purpose. He had a positive nature to him because of his defense. Just not what Duke's accustomed to.
0: Uh, we got another question here. It's our Mailbag Monday edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Thanks for that question, Derek, a moment ago. Again, accepting questions on Email locked on Blue devils at gmail.com and also through Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Here's a question sent in to me by Ronnie. Hey, JJ, just got through the NBA trade deadline. As you said on Friday's podcast, five Blue Devils traded to new teams. Which Blue Devil ended up in the best spot, in the best new situation? That's a good question right there, Ronnie. I love talking about former Duke Blue Devils in the NBA. How obsessed am I with these guys, Ryan? Incredibly, Once (laughs) once they leave Duke, and now I feel like I can be a fan of every single team because every single team has a Duke Blue Devil on it.
1: No, you keep keep the brotherhood mentality for (laughs)
0: life. (laughs) So the five Blue Devils traded at the deadline, and I do want to answer from you on this one, Ryan, as well. Rodney Hood and Gary Trent Jr. end up with the Toronto Raptors. Wendell Carter Jr. ends up with the Orlando Magic. Austin Rivers goes to the Oklahoma City Thunder, although over the weekend we learned that he was waived and it looks like Rivers is going to get to sign a deal with the Milwaukee Bucks to come off their bench. So those four guys right there, Gary Trent Jr., Wendell Carter Jr., Rodney Hood, Austin Rivers, and then J.J. Reddick traded from the Pelicans to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, My first reaction just immediately is J.J. Reddick going to the Mavericks to give another shooter uh, for, for that Dallas team, Redick hurt right now coming back from a heel procedure that he had on his foot, but it's a Dallas Mavericks team that is seventh in the Western Conference playoffs. And I mentioned last week as well that Reddick made the playoffs every single year of his career, except for this past year in the bubble with the Pelicans. That was the first time he did not make the playoffs in his 14-year NBA career. I think he can help Dallas get back to that spot. And I really do think he's going to help a young Dallas Mavericks team. Uh, the second choice, uh, we got a lot of good choices with this question because, like I said, I love all. I love Gary Trent Jr. I want you to talk about how much you've appreciated Gary Trent Jr. now that he's no longer playing for Duke. But even a guy like Wendell Carter Jr., the guy started every single game he ever played for for the Chicago Bulls was just hurt a little bit. And now that Vucevic and Aaron Gordon is gone, he's going to get to play. If, if, if you thought that he was playing well for chicago we've seen what orlando's doing and now that they, they need more help in the front court i know that wendell carter jr is going to get some run there but i'm going jj Redick as the blue double in the best spot post trade deadline
1: yeah for him and the end of his career my only thing is you know he's trying to win a ring with, with, with just talking about jj reddick and dallas is just not in position to do that like he'll get a lot of playing time they can use his experience but they don't even seem to be one of the two or three best teams in the West. There's a lot of really good teams mm-hmm. in the West. I do, You're right. I do really like Gary Trent Jr. Obviously, when they're at Duke, no, I'm not rooting for them. <laughs> it doesn't matter how good of a person they are. <laughs> I don't want anything to go in. I don't care. But, you know, once they get outside of Duke, you know, hey, you start to appreciate them just how good at basketball they are. And I, I told you a long time ago, I told you and during the draft process, I think Gary Trent Jr. is undervalued in the draft. I would p- pick him. In the mid-first round, I think he's going to have a really solid career and he's looked good at times for Portland. So I think him going to Toronto, maybe he gets a starting opportunity there, which would be important because he's kind of blocked by CJ McCollum cuz Gary Trent is still a little undersized especially to try and play the 3 mm-hmm. and, and because CJ McCollum is also undersized at the 2, you know, that you can't have two undersized wings. You can have one, but you would need that third guy to be a little bit bigger. So that's why those two can't play at the same time with Damian Lillard. And then, I you know back to what you were talking about with Wendell Carter. I actually I think that's the best situation okay. because he's so young, and he was taken so high in the draft. And Chicago's been—I'm not saying Orlando is a uh, beacon of competence, but Chicago has been pretty bad for several years ever since Derrick Rose started getting injured, and they've not had a great direction. And and he and Lori Markin in Chicago for all the potential they had, did not coexist very well. And so I think given that Orlando's done a pretty good job with developing big men, I I guess you could say recently, but also with their entire franchise history dating back to Shaq, not calling Wendell Carter Shaq, but I think they can get more out of him than Chicago did in a better situation. They've got a lot of young players. So I think they're going to be a little bit more patient with Wendell Carter than than maybe the, the Bulls were because they've got so many young guys in Orlando, shameless name drop of a guy like Cole Anthony, and then also <laughs> Shuma Kiki, Kiki from Auburn, and and a bunch of young guys, Jonathan Isaac, that they've taken on in the last three or four years. So I think Wendell Carter will be in the best situation because his career is not defined yet. I mean, it's two years into it. And he was a high draft pick with a lot of talent. So I like that situation best because I think he gets to play a lot. I don't think they're going to give up on him early.
0: I love that question from Ronnie a moment ago. Again, which of the new Blue Devils traded at the deadline ends up in the best spot? And I'm excited to see what all of them do. As I've said, I follow the brotherhood wherever they go. Ryan and I, you used to uh, host a, a radio show together, NBA-centric. Also, we had a podcast as well titled The Fast Break, and uh, we certainly love doing that not trying to get into the biggest of NBA deep dives, because you and I know we could do that very easily, Uh, but we mentioned the Gary Trent Jr. side of things and the trade there with the backcourt. Kyle Lowry, that whole saga, we could go on and on for a while, Uh, obviously going to continue playing out this year with Toronto, but the first two games since the trade, Toronto has started Lowry, Van Fleet, and Gary Trent Jr., they're going for it. Hey, let's just have another. Like, we saw Portland Which just, is just with McCollum, Lillard, and Gary Trent Jr. We'll just do it too.
1: Disproving my little guy <laughs> theory with Portland. But this idea – and I guess today's NBA is different. Today's college basketball changes too. But, you know, ideally you don't want three guys out there under 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six, and Trent's right at that number. And, you know, with Van Vleet being a point guard, Lowry being – point, you know, I don't know if that's going to work out. But – They clearly want to see what they've got. And I will say this, regardless of what Van Vliet's doing, Kyle Lowry's towards the end of the career, whether it's with Toronto or whatever. So if Van Vliet slides to the starting point guard position, that's a more natural fit for Trent.
0: Trent Jr. and Carter Jr., of course, freshmen at the same time for Duke, same age, both very young in their 20s. And the future looks very, very bright. Happy for a guy like Austin Rivers also uh, getting traded to Oklahoma City but making that into an opportunity with Milwaukee Bucks after being waived. Quick break to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, most amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. Now it's time to find out which Bilt Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup features coconut, brownie chunk, Versus caramel brownie. Uh, I'm not too thrilled about this matchup here. I'll be honest, but caramel brownie would be the selection for me. And this one, I'm going to be able to vote today at builtbar.com or by checking out bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use promo code locked on twenty to get twenty percent off your next order. That is locked on twenty to get twenty percent off your next order at builtbar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Are you ready for the NFL Draft? Join Locked On NFL Draft hosts Trevor Sikoma and Benjamin Solak as they give you their latest positional rankings and analysis on 2021 draft prospects with team-centric guest mocks right around the corner. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. Back into our Mailbag Monday edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson being joined today by Ryan LaVoy talking a little Duke athletics with a uh, with the tar heel that's right we're getting the tar heel perspective on some of these questions it's been a lot of fun uh next question sent to us locked on blue devils at gmail.com by brooks brooks sent us a message good afternoon first off big fan of the show i have thought the locked on network needed a duke show for some time and am finally glad to have one to listen to on my way into work Thank you for that, Brooks. I'm glad to be a part of this new network and have a Duke show for folks to know about. My question for you is this. Looking at the 2021 football schedule, since we don't have to face the likes of Clemson, what is your gut feeling on what the final regular season record will be for the Blue Devils? Thanks so much. You can't wait to hear your answer. Well, thank you for that question, Brooks. Uh, Duke football was not good in 2020. Two and nine record. One of the worst teams statistically in the conference Were you aware of that, Ryan?
1: Um, I was very (laughs) aware of that, yes.
0: You and I talked about that a good bit throughout the football season. Uh, We had a quarterback in Chase Bryce who came over from Clemson, who uh, Duke fans were not too thrilled with the way he – we hyped it up a whole lot, right? Oh, I thought he was going
1: to be pretty good too. (laughs) I really did, yeah.
0: But it it didn't work. No. It didn't work, and now he's on at Appalachian State. Looks like Gunnar Holmbrunk. excuse me – Gunnar Holmberg is going to be the new quarterback for Duke. And looking at their schedule this year, uh, first four games are their non-conference games. Uh, at the Charlotte 49ers, North Carolina A&T, Northwestern Wildcats, and Kansas Jayhawks. I feel good about that non-conference schedule.
1: You know, you hear it, you hear a non-conference schedule and say, yeah, we're playing two Power Five teams. And you, you're like, oh, that's tough. <laughs> And then, you, and then it doesn't matter who the other team is. You just say the word Kansas, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's it's not basketball. It's football. And I tell you what, that that's uh th- that is at least that part of it's really light.
0: Then Duke opens up ACC play. This is a weird one. October second, playing at a place known as Keenan Memorial Stadium in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. The first ACC game. Duke Can we please UNC? stop moving this <laughs> yeah. game all over the
1: schedule? Jeez,
0: Wow. That early in the year. I mean, are you happy about no, it? No, not at all. No. absolutely. Like, uh, you want to start off ACC competition on a strong note, right? And I know how good North Carolina is going to be this next year with Sam Howell coming back and that sort of thing. Regardless of the outcome, though, it's a rivalry game. Put that thing at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't care how good or bad one or the other is because, I mean, certainly there was – it's been some years where Carolina stunk and, and Duke was a little better and now it's you know flipped to the opposite but I, th- this is still a rivalry game and I don't care that it's still uh, it's a much better basketball rivalry than football rivalry it's not like the ACC has tons of, of great college football rivalries and it's particularly at the end of the season when Georgia Tech is already playing Georgia and Florida State's already playing Florida and Clemson's already playing South Carolina why can't Carolina Duke play the last week of the regular season like all the other rival games? It doesn't make sense to me.
0: So, again, that ACC schedule for Duke at UNC, Georgia Tech at home, at Virginia by week, at Wake Forest, home versus Pittsburgh, at Virginia Tech, home versus Louisville, and home versus Miami at the end of the year for Duke. That's pretty tough sledding, uh, looking at this team and just knowing where Duke football was a year ago. If Duke can get back to the 5-7, and 6-6 six and six mark this year – Again, this is early, and over the course of a summer, I'm going to talk myself more and more into Duke football. They just had the spring showcase game over the weekend, so throughout this week I'm going to dive a little bit more into Duke football. Uh, but uh, I, I think if, if – I don't see Duke being any better than 6-6 six and six this year.
1: Well, I was going to say, I mean, I feel like not trying to be offensive to Duke, but I think that the the usual starting point is 6-6, six and six, and then you work your way up or down depending right. on – The previous year and what you have coming back and obviously last year was a disappointment and it it makes you wonder if Cutcliffe is kind of overstaying his career path at this point. It just feels like he he might be at the end of the road here. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but certainly last year was a disappointment with someone that seemed like he could be a good option at quarterback. He obviously did not play well. So, I'm with you. I think that Duke should still obviously aim to be a bowl-eligible team. I don't think anyone other than Kansas in major college football, maybe Vanderbilt should say five and seven is acceptable. But they've got some work to do, and the the fortunate thing is, other than North Carolina, like you know, like Brooks said in his question, you know you don't play Clemson. Florida State's still not back. The Really the only ACC team that seems like a surefire top 25 team next year would be Miami and North Carolina as well. So it only feels like, despite Duke's problematic 2020, it only feels like there's about two automatic losses on there. And even then, you can argue, well, it's the North Carolina game. Duke's going to put their best foot forward.
0: And, again, I love that non-conference setup. Like like the fact that Kansas found its way on Duke's football schedule and the games being played at Wallace Wade Stadium, thank you. I I mean, Kansas is going to have a new football head coach – with Les Miles no longer being there. Who knows what Northwestern's going to be like this year? Good that's, last that, year. Yeah. That's going to be a home game for Duke, however. If I had to make a prediction right now, he asked for my gut feeling, that's all it is, my gut feeling, I'm saying 5-7. and seven.
1: Snide remark incoming. It, this is, is what we're looking for. Is Does Duke, Stanford, and Northwestern like get together and just say – we're smarter than everybody else so <laughs> we're going to have this secret packed scheduling complex yeah. where we're going to play each other but and we're going to have signed these long-term contracts to rotate through each other but we're not going to ex- tell the public about it we're just going to play, play every third year and <laughs> yeah. play for our own little academic football trophy cuz it feels get like cuz does it not point. feel yeah. like duke plays northwestern or 100%. stanford almost every single 100%
0: season? That's definitely uh, something that we're looking for. Good question there. Thanks, Brooks. Uh, A couple of more on the uh, Monday Mailbag edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Greg writes in, Hey, JJ, really anxious and waiting to see what Matthew Hurt is going to decide regarding his plans for the next season, whether or not he declares for the NBA draft or comes back for another season of college basketball. What does he look like as an NBA prospect in your mind. Greg, I appreciate that question. Uh, I've mentioned this in his end-of-year review about a week ago, maybe a little bit more than a week for Matthew Hurt. In terms of an NBA prospect, the guy can shoot. If you can shoot a basketball, it's going to get you a lot of places. Uh, We saw that Ryan Kelly was able to turn that into a little bit of an NBA career. Hey, you got a paycheck at the end of the day. Um, And so for a guy like Matthew Hurt, we know he's going to be able to shoot the basketball. Uh, The post moves are going to need to improve. For Matthew Hurt and on the defensive end is where you're really, really going to be worried about how he translates. And then athletically, he's just not there. 6'9", 6'10", but he's just not there. He's too. I think he gets beat off the dribble. We're seeing more and more athletic and quicker people playing in the NBA. And I just don't think Matthew Hurt is there.
1: Duke's a program that's so good at producing what is also what is a great college player but also a great NBA player because they get a lot of the top recruits, they get a lot of all, McDonald's All-Americans and they turn them out the pros rather quickly. That being said, Matthew Hurts not a pro. Like he's a gr- he can be a great college player, but he's not a pro because of the things you just said, he's not athletic enough for his size. He's not strong enough for his size. Like like at his height he might carve something out down low in one of two ways. If he's athletic, he's blocking shots, he's rim running, he's catching lobs, that sort of thing. Or if he is strong, he's able to have some post moves, more of a traditional bigger guy, uh, can be fundamentally sound, that sort of thing. Because he's neither of those things, he's out in the perimeter. And when you're out in the perimeter, then you have to be quick and agile. Because you're going to be, you know, looked as a a four, not a five. You're going to be guarding the other team's four, which is going to be a mix of either athleticism or players like him that that shoot a lot of threes. And, look, he's a great shooter. And if he comes back to Duke, I'm going to put him up there for preseason ACC player of the year. Uh, Absolutely. But – That doesn't mean you translate to to the pros because some guys just don't. Some guys have great college careers at a big school, but they just don't translate. And so I think Matthew Hurt should stay at Duke until he runs out of eligibility because the best he's going to do is, I think, Ryan Kelly and the NBA. And Ryan Kelly was even bigger than him. It was the same athleticism, but Kelly was at least a little bigger. And Ryan Kelly played for a couple really bad teams for a couple years, and that was it for him. I think that's probably Matthew Hurt's career in the NBA. And once again, I I don't want to make it a big slight because I understand. Do guys go to the league? You have Zion Williamson. You have Kyrie Irving. You have Brandon Ingram. You have so many great all-star caliber players that – did maybe even uh, by the end of Matthew's Matthew Hurt's career did just about the same amount at Duke if Matthew Hurt can can lead a team to a deep NCAA tournament run next year assuming he comes back but he's just not fit for the NBA he's just not
0: and here's the thing I just I think he's going to declare I I think we've gotten to a point where he's going to declare he's going to find that his draft stock will never be higher than it is right now whatever that may be which is a shame But tip of the cap, I mean, you're the ACC's leading scorer, right? A first-team All-ACC player, the ACC's most improved player. Like you said, college basketball, the dude knows how to play, and he took advantage of his opportunity. He was behind Vernon Carey Jr. last year when they were both freshmen, but that's just not going to be able to translate to the next level. But in his mind, when you are trying to make this an NBA career, is this not the best opportunity to go? That's what I'm curious if he would be thinking at a moment like this. And I really feel like they're going to be people, Coach K, not being one of them, not trying to include Coach into this, but just NBA circles, agencies, and that sort of thing. I feel like this would be the time that you would, per, like, you, you're, those guys, they get paid. They get the satisfaction in saying, hey, I put this guy in the NBA. This was my client. I was able to get him into the NBA. His value right now I just don't know how it in- improves at all.
1: But, I mean, that's a fair argument because you're right. I Because I don't think he can just all of a sudden become a muscle man. You
0: mentioned, li- like, catching and, lobs and that mm-hmm. sort of thing and rim running. And I, we just – you can't ever see that becoming him.
1: Right. I mean, the things he needs to work on are, are kind of just the way he is, <laughs> the way he was born, and he's just not going to be able to to be become that strong. He's just not that type of guy, and he's not going to – be able to become that much faster and jump that much higher but I just I don't know I just feel like he's going to be picked in the second round he if you're a second round pick in the NBA you're not guaranteed a roster spot he, he probably bounces between G League and two way contract in his first year or two if he works his butt off and plays really well then he gets on the roster and he towards the end of the bench but it's it's that versus being on a potentially successful team next year at Duke. They're always putting in talented players in the program, so it's always going to give them a chance. Coach K is still going to be coaching them, so they're going to have a chance to be good. You know, this is a little uh, this is a less pronounced problem than North Carolina Duke. This is just one blip, and they almost made the NCAA tournament. And I would just tell you right now, if they just would have played out their non-conference, they probably would have made the NCAA tournament. So it's not as dire as what North Carolina had last year and then coupled it with a very pedestrian team this year, et cetera. So Matthew Hurt could be on a successful Duke team, but I will will grant you this. I will agree with you on this. The NBA is irrational with their prospects. When you age a year, you lose so much value. So there's not much he could do with yeah. his game to compensate for them seeing another year in the books. It's like they see a 19 year old and they just freak out, like, oh, this guy could just <laughs> become so much in his career and in his life. Well, when you're 21, you just you just learn how you just became legally eligible to drink. They're like, oh, this guy is what he is. I mean, there's it's no two, hope for him. It's
0: two guys we talked about earlier, Wendell Carter Jr. and Gary Trent Jr. Right? We're three years into their career. And they came out at that age, just to, just to kind of give further right. proof as to what you were saying with how young they are and how you value those younger guys at the next level.
1: Yeah, so I, I just I, – I think you lose the value that you gain because of your age. You, you lose value because of your age, and you can't make up the big game-changing type of differences. So in that aspect, you're right. He should go now because – he probably can't get but a couple spots higher nothing of significance i just i think of the opinion you're at duke you know and, and i would say the same thing it's not cuz i'm on the locked on blue devils podcast right now <laughs> if you if you're at kentucky if you're at north carolina if you're at ucla if you're at kansas you're at the premier schools in the country go try and be a national championship at champion of that school you'll still a year later be able to be in the g league or or play overseas It might decrease your NBA value by a a handful of spots. But if you play well the next year, you could be on a historic team, you could be on a great team, and then you could still get drafted in the second round or still get to camp, still go to summer league, still have some of the similar opportunities that a second-round pick in the NBA usually has because a uh, second-round pick in the – NBA is not like the NFL it is not guaranteed to even be on the roster
0: well you know us we have our sights on six trying to get that six national championship Ryan and I love what you said there too with the blue bloods because uh, as crazy as college basketball fans as our schools are if you're a national champion at that school you're going to be remembered forever right and and by the opposite fan bases as well 2010 Brian Zubek had no professional career whatsoever. But North Carolina remembers Brian Zubek, do remember don't they? Him.
1: I do remember him.
0: Right? Yeah. Deion Thompson had zero professional career at the NBA, played a little bit overseas. But Duke remembers him because he won a national championship in 2009 with North Carolina.
1: Yeah. No, I, like, you absolutely. will be remembered That's in saying. basketball and
0: circles if you – I like that. And like Duke that. rebuilds quickly. That's Come what back, I'm saying. Matthew it's Hurt. not
1: like Duke – is not going to have enough talent to be really good next year. I'm not promising you they're going to be a Final Four team, but what I'm saying is they're going to have a great recruiting class. They're going to have an opportunity to develop about as much as they ever do because they're going to have some returning players. So I just think with Matthew Hur he'd be a key part of that. He would start – he would be in contention for a lot of individual awards. He would be an important part of maybe bringing Duke something important.
0: One more question here in our Monday Mailbag edition of the Locked on Blue Devils podcast. Ryan LaVoy joining me on the show. My name is JJ Jackson. Question from Amber. Amber sent in a question. Dear Locked on Blue Devils, I'm very curious. What do you think on all of the chaos surrounding the University of North Carolina basketball team down the road now that we're a few weeks into the offseason? Seems like their players are going everywhere. What do you think? That's from Amber. Thanks, Amber. (laughs) I don't mind this. Chaos with uh, UNC basketball. They've had a couple of players leave. A couple of players say they're coming back. Walker Kessler being one of the guys to uh, enter the transfer portal. Um, We've seen Caleb Love say that he's coming back. But we've also seen parents take to social media and have some interesting comments and that sort of thing. I don't know what Amber's looking for in my response here. Other Some than, North Carolina shade. Right, it uh, other like. than, I love it. I think it's awesome. Like, yeah, I don't want them to figure out what in the world's going on. I like seeing this chaos and trying to figure out how the program is going to go to next year, given how it ended this past year. I think it's fun. From the outside <laughs> looking at it, I think it's fun.
1: Well, I don't. Um, <laughs> I, I will say this I, I, I'm not a huge Twitter guy. I'm definitely on Twitter a lot, but I don't tweet a lot. And people on Twitter are just wild because you look at the comments of North Carolina basketball tweets or Inside the Carolina, one of their major publications uh, and and sites, and the fans just act like Roy Williams has three useless heads that (laughs) don't think basketball at all. And, look, Roy's not perfect. No one's perfect. But Roy Williams has won three national championships in – his almost two decades at North Carolina. It's been a pretty impressive record. He's won a lot of games. He's won a lot of NCAA tournament games. Just because he's a little older, I don't think that he's just screwing this thing up royally. I'm not going to defend how bad Carolina was last year because no Carolina team, despite the plethora of injuries they had, should be that bad. But they've they've had to go through those big roster changes that – some of these programs like Duke and Kentucky have done most years with the one and duns, because Carolina has started to recruit a little bit more up that five-star alley, and they've had a couple one and duns that they didn't necessarily expect or, or thought maybe it would happen after two years and it's happened after one. So their development in that sense grows because Carolina does not usually win. With one and dones and to be fair, not many do. Right. I mean, Duke's maybe done it once. Kentucky did it once. Kansas usually, when they're better, have multiple older guys. But even they've not won recently. But but Carolina's last or all their national championship teams with Roy Williams have been upperclassmen. So, and they have a ton of younger younger uh, younger guys right now. And in this day and age in college basketball, I know this is a wrong long winded answer for a Carolina question on the Duke podcast. (laughs) But they have so many young guys, and it's this age where college basketball tells young guys, well, if you're not happy right this second, just change it. You don't need to be patient, just change. And for North Carolina, that's never been the model. Patience has been important because the development of guys. And look, Duke's Duke's just started doing this recently, but anything before 2013, 2014 or so – Duke was the same way. If you played three or four years at Duke under Mike Chesky, you would get better. You're going to be better. It's not like, oh, this guy averaged 10 a game his freshman year and averaged six a game his senior year. Right. Like, you're going to become better. And at North Carolina under Roy Williams, I've seen some of the clumsiest big guys as freshmen turn into wonderful all-ACC players under, under Roy. And so these guys just aren't having any patience. This transfer portal is killing them. It kills other schools. Not trying to whine about it, not trying to make excuses for it, but I just think the truth of the matter is they've got to have some guys stay for a couple of years because that's how Raleigh does it. So with all these guys transferring, I think it's just a sign of the times. I think Carolina's just like everybody else in that regard.
0: Amber, thank you for the question. Uh, we love all of the uh, Tar Heel chaos. You love Duke chaos. I do. It this, was fun for them not to year, make the tournament. This year, yeah. you and I are the same age. You and I, our entire life, had always featured Duke in the NCAA tournament. This was an extra special year for you.
1: It was. But, la- well, see, last year, technically, Carolina did not miss the NCAA tournament.
0: <laughs> Even though they were sub-500. Even though they had already been <laughs> ousted from the <laughs> A-
1: Like, the last game of the college basketball season was Syracuse just blowing out North Carolina's doors. <laughs> Uh, on the night game of the ACC tournament.
0: And then COVID happened. Wow. Wow. Ryan, thank you for being here, man.
1: Absolutely. I enjoyed it, man.
0: Uh, You can connect with me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. This has been a Mailbag Monday edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Thanks again to my friend Ryan Lavoie, a uh, North Carolina Tar Heel. He hosts a daily sports talk radio show with me here in the uh, Auburn and Opelika area. Follow Ryan on Twitter at RyanLavoie.com. Zero L A L-A-V-O-I-E, the uh, last name spelling there, Ryan. And, look, thanks again for being here. I've got one final message for you. Go to hell, Carolina.
1: Well, you said that with a smile <laughs> on your face, so that kind of hurt a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, what's it go? Oh, Duke is puke wake is fake (laughs) nc state's the team i hate There you go.
0: we'll take it uh be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast right now on your favorite podcast app and you'll get the latest episode of locked on blue devils as soon as it's available each and every day as always go duke i'll talk to you again tomorrow my name is jj jackson thank you and good day